Amen. I think your pastor is lying. I don't know if that really happened. Hey, good afternoon. Is it afternoon? Yeah, good afternoon. This is my first time ever in Sacramento, and so I'm honored to be here. And um, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a comedian. I wasn't. I didn't grow up in church. My first, uh, my my only time God's name came up in my house, somebody was cussing. <laughs> See, this is it. So, so uh, I was, you know, I was discipled by Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy and Sam Kennison and John Belushi, and people like that. So when I was back there and they were introducing me and I came out on stage, I thought I was supposed to do some kind of comedy when I came out. But so pray for me that I can remember that we're in church. So I'm glad you made it today. I did write a book called Side Chickology, Why Men and Women Cheat. People in church try to act like they don't need it. Or they're ashamed to go to the table because they do need it. But it's, it's no need in us acting like it's not a subject that we should have conversation about. It's prevalent in our society. Um, but it doesn't have to be the end of a marriage. Uh, I've been married for 30 years now. And there was a time when I was unfaithful to my wife. And so I wrote about what I've lived. And we have a better marriage now than we had before then because we worked on it. Surprisingly, sometimes infidelity can be the catalyst to make you do the work you wouldn't do if, if it hadn't happened. Sometimes you're in a situation where somebody you, you're, you're married to wakes up when they find out somebody else wants you. That's just, I don't know if y'all want me to be careful or real. I don't know what y'all want. So <laughs> I can do either. Amen. I can just do whatever y'all are comfortable with. So, so, so this book is about protecting marriage and how to rebuild it when there's been, if, first of all, avoiding infidelity, but if it happens, what do you do? Do we stay? Do we work? Well, you know, is it worth staying? Do I give this person another chance? And I talk about the things that have to be in place to protect the marriage going forward. Because a lot of things that people are looking for outside of their marriage, you can get it in your marriage if you put the time in and put the work in. And a lot of people just aren't having fun in their marriages. Marriage is no fun because marriage, by definition, is a naturally atrophying relationship. If you watch the pattern of a marriage, when people get married, they usually get married because they were having fun. They were dating, courting, and all that. And, and nowadays, the, the proposal is more fabulous than anything. I mean, it's just, just all on social media, all that work going to it. And they were, they were just laying in the snow and making snow angels and walking across the sand, and then he just, she turned around, he was on one knee crying and all that stuff, and then they got married. And now, hey, where all that, where all that creativity, where happened to all that? Then you have kids, and you have schedules, and, and sometimes church can mess up a marriage. You got one person at church all day, the other person's kind of, I don't know, I kind of want to go, but not like you, and, <laughs> and we just live two different lives. And we're just atrophying. And so, so you have to work at a marriage, but it can be, it's worth the work. Then I also have a book called Decade by Decade by my mentor, Bob Bill. He wrote a book about understanding every decade of the human life and how important it is to know where you are on your life's journey and what you need to have in place at each decade. It's a brilliant book, and I'm excited. One last thing before I get into the word. I, I'm big on social media. I, I'm not big on it. I just enjoy it. And so if you're a social media type, I love to continue our relationship and dialogue. If you're on social media, I'm on Facebook. I'm at Keith Battle. On Twitter, I'm at Keith Battle. On Instagram, I'm at Keith Battle. On uh, Cash App, I'm at Keith Battle 3. <laughs> In case you just want just amen. 
Make sure. I'm going to show you love. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this service. Please speak to us. Give us life. I pray that you'll govern my thinking, my words, my attitude, my energy. May what I say be what the people in this service who are enjoying this experience need. In Jesus' name, amen. Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, if you have a Bible, a Bible app, something with the Bible on it. Most people don't bring Bibles to church. You've been here a lot today. I'm checking you out been here a lot. I'm watching him. I don't know if he's a terrorist or a Christian. Amen. <laughs> How many services is this for you? Okay, good. Yeah, you called her, didn't you? You need to be here for this. You need to hear this. <laughs> you ever been to church and you heard a message, you just knew it was for everybody but you? <laughs> yeah, I wish some mama get this tape. Genesis chapter 2, I'm just trying to give you time to find it. If you're still looking for Genesis, <laughs> let me pray with you. Let me just pray with you. Just right up, right up to the front. Right up towards the front. Chapter 2. I want to talk about Adam and Eve today. The first couple. Yeah, how they got hooked up. How they fell in. They ain't really fall in love. Man, Adam went to sleep and woke up. He had a wife. <laughs> That's pretty smooth right there. He ain't going dating.com. He didn't go to Christian match. He didn't go to the club. He didn't even have to date her. He ain't had to have no game. He had to have no flow. God just gave him a nap and he was married. Some of y'all need to stop praying. Just go to sleep. Wake up. You, you have what you want. I've received it. Just lift your hands. If you go to sleep this afternoon, your spouse will be there when you wake up. By the way, when he woke up, he had a wife, not a girlfriend. The Bible said he woke up. When he met Eve, she was a wife. Whew. The Bible says he that finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. When he found her, she was a wife. You find a wife. When a man finds a wife, not when he finds, watch this. When he found, when a man finds a wife. He, he finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. It doesn't mean when he found her, she was married. It means she was wife material when he found her. A lot of women, I believe women become side chicks because of their mentality. It's a girlfriend mentality. And anybody that's a lifetime girlfriend will never be a full-time wife. Because being a girlfriend is a mentality. There's a difference between a wife mentality and a girlfriend mentality. You have to have a wife's mentality before you get married. Well, what are you saying? I'm going to break it down to you since I started the fight. Let me finish it. <laughs> see, uh, uh, see and, and, I, and before I even talk about the wife's mentality, there's a boyfriend mentality too versus a husband mentality. Let me start there. The boyfriend mentality is this. Now, see, the ladies will say amen, and they be talking all loud when we get on the brothers, but you don't hear nothing when I talk about them. They be like, like they start acting like they're taking notes. <laughs> nah, stay loud the whole time. Bring that same energy for all of it. It's between a, a boyfriend and a husband. And women are frustrated today because they're looking for a man, but they keep running into boys. Let me tell you what a boy is. Uh, see, 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 when a man's got to choose between being a husband and a boyfriend, he chooses a boyfriend because it's more fun. Why get married when you can have options? 
Marriage by its very nature is a decision. If I was to write the word decision on the board, understand the word decision, the word, the root of the word, the, 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 the core of the word side, decide. The word side means to bring to an end. Homicide means to bring to an end a person's life. Suicide means to bring to an end your own life. Genocide, to bring to an end a whole generation of people. Pesticide means to bring to end pests. When you decide something, you have to bring stuff to an end. A decision means I cut off everything but this thing. And many men won't get married because they can't make a decision. They can't decide because when you pick one, that means you bring all the other ones to an end. And that, that's a man-level decision. Boys don't make decisions. Boys play games. That's why they call them players. Players play games. And you have, the more dames you have, the more game you're playing. And that behavior is lauded in our community of other immature men. We're celebrated for having conquest. Because for a man, that's, that's, a, that's a level of conquest. But it is more masculine and more mature to make a commitment to one woman and have one commitment. Because when you're a boyfriend, it's like having prom, high school, being the high school prom king all uh, every weekend. Particularly in our society where there are so many more women than there are men. So even a man that don't have a lot going on has options. I mean, you think around, because women, if you watch a woman's, woman's prayer list about a man, it changes the older she gets. When she was 21, she said, I want him to be saved. He's got to love Jesus. He's got to be this complexion. He's got to be in shape. He's got to be employed. He's got to know his purpose. He's got to know what he's here for. He's got to care about poor people. He's got to be, um, he's got to be philanthropic. He's got to be ambitious and all that. That's when she's 21. When she's 51, she was like, is he heterosexual? That's just one. Is he into women? I'll work. We'll work with him about Jesus. I'll bring him to church. He ain't employed. I'll finance him. I'll finance his dream. I know he's about to rap. He's dropping CDs. He's cutting hair. He's detailing cars. I'll work with him. I just need somebody. To just, I need a person. Well, when a man knows that a woman has lowered her standards because of her desperation, he will continue to be a boy. You know why he continues to be a boy? Be a boy? Because he's getting wife-level benefits from you with a boyfriend-level commitment to you. So, 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 so a wife, a girlfriend mentality is you, 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 you have sex with him like he's your husband and you're having his babies like he's your husband and you live with him like he's your husband and you cook for him like he's your husband and you clean his clothes like he's your husband, but you but he's your boyfriend. So he's playing game and you playing house. How do you remember playing house as a kid? If you play a house, there would be a make-believe father, a make-believe husband, and we would all be, nobody was really married, but we were just playing like we married. And some of y'all are still playing house, and you need to wake up and grow up. So one of the things you can do as a woman to get out of a wife, a girlfriend mentality is to stop. See, a wife only has sex with her husband. So if you're not married and you're not celibate, you're a girlfriend. And you might not even be a major girlfriend because if he's putting it in, if he won't go public with you, you're not even a side chick, you're a hide chick. He won't even go public with you. You just, you just, you're, you're, oh God, you're, you're a relief, not a relationship. I love sports, so I'm just sports illustration. In, in the world of baseball, how many of you know baseball? You see, see hand baseball, right? I'm praying y'all get a team. I don't know if that's possible, but anyway, in baseball, in baseball, 
whenever you have two different pitchers, pitching groups, you have starting pitchers, then you have what they call what? Relief pitchers. Talk to me. The relief pitchers. The starting pitcher sits in the dugout with the other rest of the team. But anybody that's a relief pitcher doesn't even sit with the team. They sit in something out in the outfield called the bullpen. And they're out there by themselves waiting on an opportunity, waiting on the starter to mess up. I'm going somewhere. So watch this. When the starter is not getting the job done, the man, a juror, walks out to the mound. And he'll even put in a call from his from the from the bull from the uh from the uh what's that called the dugout and call out to the bullpen and say what, what kind of pitcher he wants. I want a right hander or a left hander, get him warmed up. And so that's a call coming in. You start warming up because we might bring you in the game because the starter's not getting the job done. When he walks out to the mound, he doesn't even call the bullpen relief pitcher by name, he just points to an arm. That tells a person what to know what to do. What I'm trying to tell you is when you're a side chick, you're not a relationship. You're a one o'clock in the morning body part booty call. And you only get called when the starter is not pleasing the manager. Y'all said y'all want me to be real. Is it still okay? All right, we're still just checking in, just checking in. This is a little, this is a little strong for y'all. This is a strong call. I figured this is a strong service. Y'all can handle all that. And I'm saying, why would you keep doing that? Let me tell you another sign of a, of a, of a girlfriend mentality. When you pay, when you finance a man that's not your husband. It is not your job to put stuff in your name that he can't afford. Why do you get cars, co-signed for cars that ain't even your husband? Why are you putting apartments in your name and he can't, because his credit is so bad. That's a mother's job or a wife's job. One you will never be and one you're not yet. And you'll never be that. See, you got to come out of you. You got to shake yourself out and say, I'm waiting till I get a husband to give all this stuff to. I'm giving my body to a man. I'm giving my money to a man. I'm giving my commitment to a man. I'm all in and somebody's half in. And they keep, and especially if he's married and telling you, I'm going to leave my wife. Ain't nobody in their right mind going to leave their marriage for you. That's just sexual talk to get you to continue to feel empathy to drag the relationship on. So that's the context that I want to introduce Genesis 2 to you in. I hadn't, that was, by the way, none of that was part of the message. Must be for somebody in here. That's all I can say. I haven't said that all day, have I? Just new stuff in there. So now in Genesis chapter 2, watch this. Bible says it's not good that Adam should be alone. God said that. Make sure God tells you when it's time. God says, I'll make a helper suitable for him. He gave him a wife, put him to sleep. He wakes up. There's his wife. God built his wife from his rib. But before all of that happened, watch how God prepared Adam for his wife. What did Adam have in place? In chapter 7, chapter 2, verse 7, it says, God formed Adam from the dust of the ground and then breathed in him, breathed into him the breath of life. And then Adam became a living soul. God formed Adam from the ground, then he breathed into him. He formed him, then he filled him. Make sure you don't just pay attention to how a person is formed. Make sure you pay attention to what they're full of. Because you're attracted to how they're formed, but you're going to have to live with what they're full of. (laughs) And the only way you can find out what they're full of is to have revelatory conversations to get to the core of who they are. 
Yeah, you fine. Yeah, you fly. Yeah, you the best dress. You wear your hair. Your nails always done. And let's find out who you are. <laughs> Where are you from? Adam is from the ground. Eve is from the rib. God made everything from the ground but Eve. When he wanted to make man, he went into the ground. When he wanted to make animals, he went into the ground. When he wanted to make Eve, he went into Adam and brought out a woman. Women are etymologically relational. You were created relational. That's why you're more advanced than us relationally. As men, we're really relationally retarded. I don't mean that disparagingly. Most of us men are about seven years behind women relationally. That's why it's okay if you marry a man seven years older than you because he might be on your level. That's, that's real talk. I got a three-year-old granddaughter at home, proves it to me every day. My three-year-old granddaughter is so nurturing and domestic-oriented. She changes her little doll's diaper. She nurtures them. She puts them in bed. She says, how are you feeling? She talks to them. She's so relational and nurturing. I've never seen a three-year-old boy like that. A three-year-old boy wants to blow something up. You know how long it'll take for him to nurture anything in his life? We just don't understand it. So you have to find out where people are from. Adam is from the ground. He's from the ground. Genesis 2-7, he's from the ground. We're from the ground. We're, from the, we're earthy. We're natural. We're from them streets. <laughs> Women are from the rib. You, look at somebody next to you and say, where are you from? No, do it one more time. I know you, just, I know you don't usually do that. I want you to look at somebody near you and just say, where are you from? Let me tell every single person in here. Let me tell you single person. This is the key to a quality conversation. I call it an airplane conversation. Whenever you get on the airplane, you're sitting next to somebody, there are three questions you want to ask. Where are you headed? Because we may not be headed the same place. Because your destination might be my connection. So where are you headed? What do you do? But here's the most important question. Where are you from? Because where you're from tells me your history. Where you're going tells me your destiny. And most people ain't going to be honest about it. You know, I'm about to start my own company. You know, I'm, being, I'm, act, I'm going to act in school. People lie about where they're going all the time. But what you cannot lie about, if I do enough research, is where you're from. Because where you're from tells me how fractured you are and what you believe about life and what you value and why you walk with the limp that you walk with that other people cannot see because you've changed your gait and adjusted your shoes so that people can't see your limp. But I know you're crazy. And I want to know. And when I got around your family, I saw it. I see. I now see at the cookout where this came from. Everybody in this family like that. Where are you from? Where are you from shapes your values. If I'm from, I'm from brokenness. Let me say this. My wife is from New York. She's from Hempstead, Long Island, New York. I'm from a place called Fairmont Heights in Maryland. By the way, anything with the heights in it is ghetto. I grew up in a single-parent home. When my mother cooked dinner, when my mother cooked dinner for me and my brother, the dinner was on the stove. We never sat down as a family to eat. When I got married to my wife, she was always bothering me about, why don't we sit down at the table and eat? I said, why we got to do that? It was so important to her to, because that's how her family engaged. We just weren't from the same place, and it created tension and conflict. I wish I had listened to her, but, I, but understanding where a person's from will help you understand the tension in the relationship. So because Adam is from the ground, he is earthy. Because she's from the rib, she wants to be covered. Every rib desires to be covered. Even when a body is naked, the ribs are not exposed. Women, there's no, I don't care how ambitious a woman is, there's not a woman that doesn't want to be covered the right way. 
They want to be covered. They want to know, am I covered? When I drive this car, is it covered? When I go into this house, is it covered? When, I send my, when we go to the doctor's office, are we covered? That's why it's easy to sell insurance to a woman and a man because it's all about coverage. I want to know my cover. That's why women keep an umbrella in the car. They want to make sure. Particularly a woman from the African-American descent who has a perm. I got to, I got to have this. That's why they sleep at night with stuff wrapped all around. Just, what is that on your head? It's got to be covered. It's got to be covered. I'm a rib. I'm a rib. And a woman is, he works the ground, but a woman operates like a ground because he sows. She receives. Man, men have seed. We sow seed into the womb of our wives, and then they produce. When a, wife is, when a wife's re- uh, 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 reproductive system is working properly, she, you can sow a seed into a woman, and she'll give you a tax write-off. <laughs> a whole child. All you put, one sperm seed will give you a whole child. That's what you call getting back. Whatever a man sows, that's what they also reap. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. Whatever you put in a woman, she will give it back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. That's why if you don't like what's coming out of your woman, you got to look at what you're putting in her. If you don't put love in her and respect in her, she will disrespect you on levels that you cannot imagine. I'm sorry, I'm trying to get to my little points here, but I feel like, I feel like I'm connecting with somebody. So watch this. Adam is in the garden. The Bible says he's formed, he's filled, and now he has, he's placed in a place in verse 8 called Eden, the Garden of Eden. He's in Eden, and he's placed in the eastern part of the Garden of Eden. So Adam doesn't, he's not just in Eden, he's in the eastern part of Eden in a place called the Garden. So Adam lives in the eastern gardens. That sounds like the hood, too. He's in, he's in Eastern Gardens in the Eden. He has a home. Then verse 9 says God gives him trees to eat from, and, and that's because he's vegan. So he's got trees. Got his, so he's got resources. He's got food. He's got a home. Verse 15 says God gave him a job. He's supposed to tend the garden, his responsibility. He has, God told him in verse 16, you can eat of all these trees, but don't eat from this one. That's God's word to him. So he has a relationship with God. He knows God's word. He has a job, and he has a home. He lives in Eastern Gardens. Now, I'm saying that's a minimal requirement to marrying somebody. The man has got to have his own place. He cannot be living with his mama. He should have a job. He should have an employee, a place where he's employed. He should have clarity about, he should have a relationship with God. Know God's word. By the way, a lot of, a lot of mothers are overparenting sons now. I see it all the time. There comes a point when a boy gets a certain age where as a mother, you need to back off some and allow men to nurture and develop him into that next level. Because women are too compassionate to raise, typically, to raise a boy into manhood. There's certain toughness and responsibilities got to get, and there's certain things you got to withdraw. But you got a 24-year-old living in your house, and you still fill out his applications. You still wake him up when it's time for him to go on a job interview. You are babying him, and these women out here are mad at you because they want a real man but he's looking for a mama because he wants somebody to replace you because you've been mombering him. That's why a lot of women who get married don't get along with their husband's mama because the mama still wants to be y'all ain't she still wants to like who's his wife here? Ooh, I must be hitting some good stuff. You should see y'all's faces. If you can see your face, straighten your face up. Straighten your face up.
overmothering. That's the mother who, who wouldn't listen to the coach when the coach wouldn't let your son play. Your son can't play. He a scrub. His attitude bad. You don't leave him on the team till he become more disciplined. You move him to another team. And say, so, you know, he don't get to play on that team. I need him to play for your team. And then when he gets in trouble at school, you go and argue with the teachers. I'm saying everybody can't be just wrong about your child. At some point, you need to work with the people and let him grow and be disciplined and not think you're going to always deliver him and rescue him. Because one of the things children need is they need to grow into independence and responsibility. And some of the things they shouldn't be, we shouldn't be paying for in their life. Let them struggle a little bit. Always be there to rescue them, but you got to let them struggle a little bit so that they can get stronger. They're strengthening the struggle. I ain't going to get through this. I'm just having a good time talking to y'all. I'm just going to talk till my time run out. So it's important that you know where a person is from. So now Adam has this responsibility. He has this job, but he also has resources in his life. He has these streams that are feeding his life financially. The Bible says he has a job. That would be like a river that's coming in verse 15. But he has these streams in verses 10 to 14. There's a stream called Pishon that he has access to. And it, it's, it's, it, the word Pishon means increase. And then he has this stream called Gihon. All of this is in Adam's life before he gets married. And that stream, that by definition means birth or gushing forth. Then he has another stream, access to another stream called Tigris, and that stream means rapid. Then he has access to another stream. All of these streams are coming from a river that came in from Eden, and the Euphrates stream means sweet water. So he's got sweet water, he's got a rapid stream, he's got a, a, an increased stream, and he's got this gushing or bursting forth stream, and all of this, and he's got trees around him. And what I see in that is, is that Adam has multiple resources for which to feed his life. He doesn't just have a river, but every river produces streams. And what you should pray for, if God can take one river out of Eden and break it up into four streams, and one of the streams had three streams coming out of it. The stream Pishon had gold coming out of it, resin, and onyx coming out of it. And what I'm trying to speak to is your creativity in the financial space, that every person actually, you actually prevent yourself from being needy and dependent upon corporations and businesses when you can figure out how to not just have rivers of income in your life, but have streams of income coming into your life. Ask God for ideas. How can I use my gifts? How can I use my creativities? What opportunities out there are there for me to expand myself resource-based and financially? Because here's the deal. Your job wasn't meant to make you wealthy. Your job is supposed to give you a wage. Then you're supposed to take that wage and turn it into a seed that feeds your own dream. Stop begging people you work for to promote you. Figure out how to promote yourself. And if nobody will hire you, hire yourself. For years, nobody would hire me to be their pastor. I mean, for 10 years, I was trying to get, be the pastor of somebody's church. But pastor, you know, in the, I grew up in a black Baptist church. So in the black Baptist church, if you're going to be the pastor, you had to wait on the pastor to backslide or die. <laughs> That's a hard situation. You don't know how to pray. <laughs> you ain't praying long live the king. Nah, I don't know about praying that. I just hope you if pastor had to either backslide or die. So you're just waiting and waiting. So when a pastor would die, they would call you. You would get the candidate. You get to put your application in your resume for the church. For 10 years, I did that. No church would pick me. Then one day I sat down, talked to myself, sat on one side of the table, put a chair on the other side of the table, then I went on the other side of the table and hired myself. I started a church. The church I started is bigger than all the churches I was trying to be the pastor of combined. And I never knew it. Sometimes you got to hire yourself, believe in your own self. Anyway, anyway, I got to get to this. I got to get to this. So Adam has these things in place and then God says, now you're ready. 
And the Bible says God says it's not good to Adam be alone, put Adam to sleep, took a rib out of him, built a wife with him, then brought her to the man. He brought her to the man. It's like God walked Eve down the aisle and said, this is your husband. If somebody was performing a ceremony and said, who gives this woman to be married to this man? God says, I do. I checked him out. I know him. He has a relationship with me. He has responsibility. He has a house. He has a job. Let me ask you something, ladies. You're about to marry somebody. What man can say over your relationship, I give this woman to be married to this man? So that's why we have that in the, in, in, the, in the star book. That's why we have it in the vows. We have to ask the question, who's looking out for this lady? Who's vetted this dude? Who background checked him, criminal checked him, blood checked him? Who checked him violently if necessary? Who's, who threatened him? <laughs> There's got to be somebody crazy enough in your family to threaten somebody want to marry you just in case he think about putting hands on you. You got to have somebody say, you know what, I love you, man. You're a good dude. You ever put your hand on, I'm going to kill you. I'm just going to kill you. I'm going to come right over and I'm going to kill you. <laughs> you all right? We good? All right, now. Have a good time. But, but you ever, if you ever look at it, reaching for it, I will kill you. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to kill you. That'll shut down all domestic violence right there. Like, I'm going to get killed over this. Yeah, you may want to go for a walk. I don't care if you come out of mouth around. Just go for a walk. Go to the movies. Because I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. God brought this woman to this man. And here they are now united. And watch this. Verse 24 says that the man and his woman were now united. He leaves his father and mother, united to his wife, and they become one flesh. That's the difficulty of marriage, becoming one. How do two become one? Most people have been single longer than they've been married. I know how to be single. How do you, I know how to be me. How do I be we? How do I think for us? And most people take a singles mentality into a marriage relationship. That's why there's so much tension because you don't make decisions for us now. You're still making decisions for you. And one of the ways it shows up very keenly in a marriage is financially. People's money's not married. You're married, but your money's not married. So you got a bank account. You bank over here. She banks at the credit union. You got your money in a suitcase down in the basement. She keep her money in her bra and in a shoebox in the closet. And, and here's the thing, and it's very divisive because people had this attitude like they don't trust each other. They won't put all their money in. And, so, and that's why people can leave because the money's not tied together. But it should be joint. It should be joint accounts and, and joint tax returns and, and joint contribution statements and joint insurance policy. We're one. If you're one, your money should be married. I know y'all don't like that. But if you watch people that got their own money in their marriage, they keep a bag packed too. They be like, oh, what, what'd you say? Oh, I thought you came out your mouth the wrong way because I, I, you know, I, 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 well, okay, I was about to say because I'll leave in a minute. Because you got your own money and you can get your own apartment. But what if you had to, everything you bought, you had to do it together? I'm saying when you take, even, even if it's your fifth marriage, I don't know how many you had. I'm just saying all the step, and all stepchildren, these are all eyes. I take everything to come with you. Your crackhead uncle, your crazy family, your kids, your money, all that. Your bad spending habits, I got better spending habits. You're more disciplined with money because money can be a very divisive thing. You got one person that wants to tithe, the other person thinks that's crazy. Church trying to get my money. One person wants to save money, the other person wants to spend it. And they want to spend more than they have. One person has a financial plan, the other person just want to believe God. <laughs> we don't have no plan. Nah, the Lord told me. You know them people, the real spirits, they oh, the Lord always talking to them. The Lord tell them when to brush their teeth. The Lord tell them what time to go, where to. The Lord told me he got all this. 
What did the Lord tell you we about to lose his house? So when you're married to somebody who's financially irresponsible, it can mess up your sexual life. Because when you say somebody's immature financially, but at 10 o'clock, now they want to be grown. Now you want to have sex. Well, I can't have sex with you when you act like a kid all day. That's pedophilia. (laughs) Woo-wee. I thought I was going to come back until I said that. That's probably it. That's probably. There's always something. I said, Pastor, don't ever have him, ever. <laughs> Let me know when he's coming back. I'll make sure we're away. Being unified financially, here's a tool you should do, something you should try. Like, come up with an agreement. What am I going to work on financially so that we can be on the same page? What can I do better financially so that we can be on the same? What can we do to bring our money together? See, that's, that's, that's faith right there. And, and, and by the way, sometimes there's a situation where the spouse, the wife is making more money than the husband. We got to have men who have the confidence and self-assurance that you don't, you're not intimidated because your wife makes more money than you. And you're not holding her back. So she won't even get a promotion because she doesn't want to deal with the tension of being more productive financially than you. Who cares? I make 40000 you make a hundred. We make one forty. That's why I married you. I knew you was balling. Go get it. Go get it. And you can't hold that over his head. This is my house. A lot of people try to control with money. That's not, that's manipulative. Everything in your marriage that's causing you challenges, there's a way that God will have you to do it. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the the end is in destruction. You know where the tension is. Are you willing to make the adjustment? You always make the first move. Stop waiting on the other person. I ain't going to do that. He ain't going to do that. I ain't going to do that. She ain't going to do that. He'll never do that. You make the first move. You make the first move. And you say, well, I made the move. They still ain't changed. Because people don't believe you. When you make a move, people don't believe you. Particularly when that move is not congruent with how you've been. It takes two years of convincing somebody consistently that you've changed. That's why whenever there's been infidelity in a relationship, let me tell you something. Whenever there's been infidelity in a relationship, men always tell me when they cheated on their wife, man, how long she keep, she keep, she keep bringing up the past. Now, you brought up the past. Your past behavior is triggering her. You brought that up. You think people walk around just trying to be triggered? Like, I like bringing, I like being in emotional pain. I like worrying about what you're going to do. You brought that up. And a person's not going to change until a person's not going to change their fears about you until they see consistent changes. One of them is accountability. You don't get to break the rules and make the rules. How, how are you going to be unfaithful to your wife and she not have your passcodes down? You don't have no secrets down. By the way, all infidelity is revealed in cell phones. You can see cell phone behavior. Any man with his phone face down, face down, man down. He's down. You ask him to use his phone, he'd be like, what you got to use my phone for? What's wrong with your phone? He real protective about his phone. <laughs> he will come back with the house, leave the house and forget his phone. He will run people over going back to the house. Tell his kids, get my phone, hide it from your mother. Get, bring it down there, power it down. You got passcodes on top of passcodes, you hiding. You have to be accountable now. You can't live, you don't get to live the way, you, you were unfaithful and now you don't want to be accountable. You lost your mind. 
That's crazy right there. There first must be an admission, then there must be accountability. Any man that doesn't admit to being unfaithful is still hiding. Infidelity by nature is a hiding behavior. That's why people lie about it when they're confronted. 95% of people who are confronted with infidelity lie up front. No, you, you cheat? No. Why would you even think that? I've seen people literally cry in my office saying, how could he be Well, how could he think that about me? She was tearing some dude up. She was crutting up. People will lie in a heartbeat. You have, to, you have to catch them. But here's the good news. You will. Because people don't end, in, they don't end infidelity relationships. They always get caught. It's the one thing you can't stop without getting caught. In fact, some people, they'll say, I can't do this no more. We got to stop this. And then two weeks later, they back at Cancun. <laughs> you always have to be caught. And sometimes the best thing that happens to you is to get caught. Because it's stressful trying to live two lives. Ooh, I'm out of time. I got some, I'm, I just, I, let me see how I'm supposed to end this. <laughs> Hold, to say, on the women, end it on the women. Anything in particular you want me to say to him? I mean, he's a little swole. I don't want no trouble with him. My back tightened up. I don't want no trouble. Anything in particular you want to say? Yeah, end it on the women. There's, there's infidelity on both sides. Man, infidelity, most unfaithful relationships are heterosexual. I don't know why they just think. That's why I say why men and women cheat. It's not just men who cheat. Women cheat too. But we have to find out why a person is cheating. I'll close with this. I was on a radio show the other day, and the man who was the host, he didn't even know he said this. He caught himself. He said, he says, if my wife ever caught me cheating, I would leave her. Now, listen to this. He says, if she ever caught me cheating, she would leave her. He said it, and she's the co-host. He says, I would leave because he doesn't believe she could recover from it. I said, that should tell you something. He says, if you ever caught him cheating, he would leave you. That should let you know that his reason for cheating had nothing to do with you. You missed that. You missed that. He says, if you caught me, I would leave you because I wouldn't want to go through the repair work and all that. But a lot of men are cheating not because they don't love their wives. They're cheating because they can or because they're trying to accomplish something or there's something missing in their life and they're, feel, they're feeding it with this relationship. Sometimes it comes out to promotion. Watch when, when a person gets promoted, they feel a sense of entitlement. And with success comes success. Because to men, it all feels the same. It's like scoring in soccer or a hockey, hockey game. A goal is rare. And so when a man can groom a woman and meet a woman and actually one day have sex with her, that feels like a win. He's not thinking he's going to lose his family. He doesn't want to lose his family. Most men want to live with their wives so they die. But it doesn't mean they're not tempted to cross the line. And sometimes it has nothing to do with the wife. Ooh, that's a bad place to stop, but it's true. I got to go because I'm out of time. Hopefully we can go into more of this maybe tonight. Maybe we'll come back tonight and talk more about it. But uh, I got to pray because I don't want to get in trouble with the pastors. Amen. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for your, your truth. We thank you for your word. We thank you for what we're learning. And I pray for healing in relationships that have been devastated by infidelity. I pray for people in here who've been living inappropriately as singles and married people. Would you please use this to bring about change and repentance and healing? And would you save families that are hanging on the precipice 
of, of infidelity that are, that are in danger of being shattered, would you please save them in Jesus' name? Amen. Let's give it up for Pastor Keith.